who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Some of you may think a podcast about representation, it's not for me. But if you're a human being, then the podcast Reppin is for you because we all represent something as people. So are you interested in knowing what you have in common with your favorite actors to best-selling authors and leaders in different genres? On Reppin, you'll meet notable people you think you know, You'll see what they show up for, and you'll see what they represent. It's an insightful, feel-good show, hosted by me, Evelyn. So come and take a listen. Reppin is available wherever you get your podcasts. Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, and if you're watching the video version, we are just such a packed show this week that the internet can't even handle us. We apologize for any pixelation you may be seeing. Uh, you know, it's kind of a busy weekend, I think, or week on the internet. I don't even know what day it is. Uh, there's there's quite a bit going on, so we apologize for any uh, technical issues you see, but we have plenty to discuss this week, so hopefully you'll come along with us for this wonderful ride known as Beyond. Uh, I'm joined, of course, this week by Brian Altano. We wanted to see what this uh, show would look like with like PlayStation 1 graphics. I think we're nailing it. I think it's looking <laughs> good. This is the D-make of Beyond. Yeah, it's all the rage these days. We're also joined, of course, this week by Max Scoville. Happy to be here, everybody. And Mitchell Saltzman. Thank you for being here, Mitchell. Hey, thank you. Real honored to be here for the D-make of Beyond. <laughs> what, what, what a better week to have a guest on, of course, than during this D-make. Uh, no, of course, uh, we're going to jump into a little bit. We're going to play fast and loose with the, the run of show this week and how we normally line things up to uh, get in some chat about uh, games coming out this week. But before we do, I wanted to quickly, of course, address that this show we're recording beforehand and this show will come out before the big Resident Evil Village showcase that's happening this week. Uh, so we'll, of course, have impressions and thoughts on that before uh, or next week, excuse me, after it's been shown off. But I, I thought I'd just open it to all of you. Uh, what are your wild, crazy predictions slash hopes? I know we have a lot of Resident Evil fans in the Beyond Pantheon. Uh, Brian, I'll start with you. What do, what do you want to see from the showcase most? Nothing. I'm really satisfied with everything, and I think I'm good. No, I want Resident Evil 4 HD, obviously. Uh, I want I want a remake of that game. I was tweeting about that the other day. I just finished it again. Um, fantastic game. But uh there's always a lot of discourse around this game where people are like, it doesn't need a remake. You're right. It doesn't. I personally think that game is perfect and holds up perfectly well, but a lot of people don't. And also like, you don't have to play it. Like if it happens, you don't have to play it. I'll play it. 
you know, maybe like, maybe I'll be happy with it. Maybe I won't be happy with it, but I have the original version of that game on literally everything it's ever been ported to, except for like that weird, uh, there's like a, like it's like an Africa exclusive iPhone console that it came to called like the Zagu or something. We did a video on it once. I don't remember. It's, you know, it's been a long life, but um, yeah, I will totally replay this game again. I can't wait for it. Uh, Even if like they add content, cut content, I I, I just want to see it. You know, I just want to see this game again. So see what happens. Yeah, that's, of course, I think the natural hope of like evolution of where they go with the remakes. Um, I, I I agree with you. It's definitely been released, I feel like, on more platforms than probably anything except for like Super Mario Brothers 3 at this point. But uh, so if you haven't gotten a chance to play it, a, a remake would be really cool. Of course, there's been no uh, uh, official info about a, a remake just yet, but it feels like the natural place to go from uh, two and three, especially with all the work they did there. It'd be, it'd be nice to see a pretty version of four that looked like two and three for sure. Yeah. Uh, Max, what about you? I mean, everything that Brian just said, definitely like I played Resident Evil 4 for the first time. Uh, forgive me, uh, like last year, I think. I think that was last. I don't know what year it is currently, but um, maybe the year before. Anyway, I, and like I love that game. Like that's a basically a perfect video game. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't need updating. Like I think it's it's parts of it feel a little bit clunky, but for the most part, it feels it's aged really well. Um, but that being said, like imagining little portions of that game that I played on an airplane on a switch screen in suddenly, you know, full HDR re engine graphics just gives me you know gives me the the willies gives me the excited willies but also i want i hope they reveal how tall is that woman in resident evil 8 village like everyone's noticing that lady's very large there's a big woman and she has a duck to go in her doorways and she has an enormous hat which obscures her height entirely i hope they give us a hard number on how tall she is does that uh, make both- you feel like accepted and seen in the in the gaming world finally i don't, I don't know if i've ever talked about this one of the weirdest <laughs> things about vr for me is finding out what it's like to be like five eight <laughs> <laughs> and how uh, yeah. what, what was your finding what what did you feel about our shared experience i mean i i feel like i have i do this the opposite of what i do in real life because in, in real life like i constantly am slouching because everything's too low for me but i like have much better posture when i think that i'm like shorter than i should be in in a game um <laughs> yeah no, well, i hope we i hope we get some details on on eight i mean we've already seen bits and pieces of it it's really close i don't want them to spoil anything but like i i don't know i'm sure there's some bell and or whistle that they're going to or you know lion shaped key or whatever that they're going to reveal and be like hey here's a new thing about it so yeah of course um we're going into it's the 25th anniversary of resident evil i believe this year uh village is the big question mark and beyond that we don't know i think anything else of what will be shown so uh you know re4 remake would be amazing i imagine we'll see probably some village gameplay hopefully they'll have some other surprises in store but uh mitchell uh forgive me i don't know your like resident evil fandom or non uh but regardless of it what what would you like to see from the showcase uh strangely enough i am a huge coward when it comes to video games but i am a huge fan of resident evil it's just like it's like one of the only horror franchises big horror franchises i've ever really gotten into um but for me i might be crazy but i think the logical next step for the remake series is to go to code veronica um because Code Veronica kind of falls into that that kind of early line of Resident Evil games that hasn't really gotten any kind of, you know, love in terms of a full remaster. It might have gotten a couple of re-releases or ports, but it's the only mainline Resident Evil game that I haven't touched at all. So I'd be really excited to to go back into it and play Code Veronica again. And as far as Resident Evil 8 goes, I feel like there's been... 
like standout moments that that really stick out in my mind when it comes to like pre-release stuff for Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 7. Resident Evil 4, obviously, the the intro with like the Chainsaw Man uh, and Resident Evil 7, that big dinner scene um, right at the beginning of the game. So what I would like to see at this showcase is something like that, something that I can really like, you know, put in my memory bank as like, yeah, that's that's the Resident Evil 8 moment right there. So you um, like you like it when it specifically evokes the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I'm yes, I'm right there with you. Exactly. Those beats like specifically, <laughs> yeah. Like that that creepy dinner scene is just like that scene in the movie where they're just sitting there with that old man and he's just like in a wheelchair and he's probably dead, but something inside his his skin is moving. I love those games; they're great. I'm actually they're, really surprised that you don't like horror games because you're like you're awesome at video games. I'm so, they're so scary. And like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm in a panic. All the skill just washes away from me. That makes me feel so much better about yeah. things. Because you're like stupidly good at games. Like you're, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to try to beat the tutorial boss in Dark Souls or whatever. It's just for the hell of it or whatever. But like, I, I, uh, I don't know. I do want to point out record, there. I've never done it. Oh, really? <laughs> you haven't? No, yes, I haven't. Is that, was that Brandon, Brandon who did that? That's so, Brandon. I don't know. Brandon. Mm. Um, I don't know. Capcom's having... Great. Capcom's having like a huge publisher sale right now across a bunch of platforms where I think like most of the Resident Evil stuff is like 75% discounted. So if you're looking to replay the old games, I literally just bought Code Veronica this morning for like four bucks to play on like a modern on. I think it's on Xbox right now. I don't know if it's on on PS5 yet. Um, So so to touch on what Mitchell said, like, yes, the logical answer is that Code Veronica is the next one they should make. I mean, like partially because I I haven't touched Code Veronica either, but like it is it's i mean it is the fourth resident evil game like it makes sense yeah. it is you know continuing with nemesis i think I, and correct me if i'm wrong but i think isn't mechanically it's also much more in line with like two and three than it is with four like four kind of yeah. reinvented the whole situation yeah they I know like a lot of people a lot of people really want code veronica because it does continue that and is kind of underrated but they're also loud idiots like me and brian <laughs> who want four again better well, for for me, I guess I was just say as someone who really doesn't know uh, Code Veronica well at all, to, to, for me the logical progression is just for I guess on a like mainstream selling these remakes level because uh, I guess yeah. they're in this weird spot where they are both dipping back into the well of nostalgia but doing like really really impressive remake work with it while also pushing the franchise forward with stuff like Village, but then also doing um, multiplayer uh, experiments with stuff like was it Project Resistance? I think it was called paired with three like they're they're doing all these different juggling acts. So I, I guess I, I could almost see them doing like four and code Veronica together. I don't mm. know if that would, I don't know if that would work. I uh, like, I don't know code Veronica well enough to say, but that just almost feels like on a selling level to get people to code Veronica who well, don't know the series. The thing is like resident evil three. Um, the remake is actually like it's it cut up on 10 and it felt pretty short for its price compared to two, which I think felt like a good deal. Um, and so three was kind of, I, I liked it, but it's kind of a letdown, like on the on the grander scheme. Evil four is straight up like a 15 to 20 hour game if you know what you're doing. And so mm-hmm. I, I think they'd have no problem selling that on its own. Um, and they they probably know they can they can get 60 bucks off of that game from you know millions of people like me and and new fans too. Um, but Code Veronica is like super interesting because it is the one that it is that weird bridge between three and four in that it tried some stuff that was like a little bit outside of the norm uh it moved away from a lot of the sort of like locked camera angle stuff made things a little bit more dynamic it wasn't necessarily like third person pop and shot but um it had a lot of like really cool stuff going for it uh it's bizarre it's super super weird um which i really like about it like it's it gets into like very almost like campy 
like Z tier <laughs> horror, like kind of more than the other ones do. Like it's it, it, they have there are some really ridiculous enemies and villains in that game that are like very laughable. Um, but I love it. It's a, it's a really fun game. I'm actually really excited to replay it this week. Um, but yeah, I'd be down with either of those games. I, I also think we might get another, you know, uh, like uh, the third installment of what's it called? The Revelation, Revelation series. Yeah, um, like, it's been so- a while for that. A while back, Brian, we did like a, a sponsored video where you basically just mansplained the entire history of Resident Evil to me. And like Revelations mm-hmm. is always kind of sort of stuck out as like an odd, like it's kind of a black sheep in that the first one was on 3DS, right? And then yes. yeah. the second one was they were playing around with doing like episodic releases. Was that mm-hmm. kind of uh-huh. okay? Yep. So what like what kind of what kind of uh, gimmickry could they force on the third one? If like the first is a 3D mo- portable game and the second is you know, the second one also, it tried that thing that they've repeatedly tried, which is like, you know, you, you retain control of two different characters and you're swapping items and stuff like that. Um, I think that one did a lot better than zero, which is like super clunky and almost impossible to revisit. No one ever talks about that getting remade by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually liked Resident Evil zero. Um, I, I really yeah, did at the time too. Yeah. It, what was like the big thing about zero? It was like, you, you, there was no box, so you had to drop items, and yes. they would just stay on the floor wherever you dropped them, which was kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, but so it also made the backtracking. Yeah, it made for some like interesting uh, inventory management decisions that you had to make because you 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 wouldn't be able to count on a box being you know in a specific spot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> one of the things that they would probably have to address if they ever remade it. <laughs> uh, and I think, Max, to answer your question, gimmick wise, I think it would either have to be a battle royale or a uh, free to play mobile game with a uh, gotcha uh, mechanics. There probably. it is. Maybe they maybe yeah. they go like, you know, pull a Yakuza and they're like, it's turn based now. It's a party based <laughs> RPG. I mean, I that actually, wouldn't, I'd be down. I that. Yeah, it yeah. would be super interesting if they br- if they brought back uh, Resident Evil Outbreak. That was the yeah. the online uh, one or like oh, the co op yeah. one, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think it's honestly high time for Outbreak to to make a comeback in uh, in this day and age. They were teasing this sort of like open beta that people that like hardcore fans could sign up for, and like a couple people at IGN who I guess were I, this made me realize like I'm maybe I'm not as hardcore of a Resident Evil fan as I was. I thought I was. Cause like all these people got invites and like, I was like, I don't even, I don't think I have a resident evil account. What is that? <laughs> That's for the, uh, the ambassador program. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, yeah, they've been teasing, I think an upcoming sort of project. I, I wouldn't be shocked if we get word of that. Um, I think the same sort of thing happened with the project resistance multiplayer, uh, beta. I think, uh, ambassadors were getting emails about that a little beforehand. So it might be another multiplayer thing. It might be something else. We'll see. They also have, they announced that, uh, CG Netflix movie. Uh, with Leon and Claire that is in the works so could be a whole host of things we'll have to see obviously uh, we'll know in just a couple of days whether or not all of our hopes are wrong or right there's also the movie yeah. reboot and the live action yeah. Netflix series so they've got, they've a got lot going on. plenty of stuff going on yeah it is yeah it is not a bad time for Resident Evil I think especially after the the love and uh, critical and commercial success seven and then two and three have all sort of seen together. Uh, this is a very good moment uh, to be into the Resident Evil franchise. And I'm, I'm very excited to see what's coming forward, even if I've only recently gotten into the series. Um. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. But speaking of series also that I haven't played that much that uh, now I'm very much interested in, I do want to talk about one of the big releases, of course, of uh, not just this week, but January in general, uh, before we jump into some Sony first party uh, news in a little bit. I do want to talk, of course, about Hitman 3, which is uh, coming out this week. The review is up on IGN. I believe that review is based on the PC version of the game, but I believe we, we speak to some other stuff in there. I'm going to go through it in a little bit. Your overall thoughts on Hitman 3 so far. Uh, I love it. You- how much you've played too? Because you were telling me before the show. <laughs> yeah, so I I, uh, I ended up working on a uh, a gameplay montage of our like best kills in in Hitman Three. So I've been playing a lot of it. Um, and God, this series is so it, it this series is so good, and it really scratches an itch that I've felt for a really long time. Playing a lot of stealth, ga- a lot of games that have stealth in them, but aren't really stealth games. Games like Ghost of Tsushima, games like Assassin's Creed. Um, and they they all kind of do the the hitman thing where like if you are in the line of sight of, of an enemy like a little stealth meter will fill up and when that meter fills up you'll be spotted hitman 2 does that or hitman 3 does that but there's nuance to it which i i love so much about it like if you have a weapon in your hand and you're not supposed to have a weapon in your hand that meter will fill up super fast if you are in a disguise and you're not in the right disguise that meter will fill up super fast if you know, someone is like doing work, they're like gardening or something, and you walk in front of them, they're distracted. So it'll fill up kind of slow. And you can kind of take that in consideration and be like, okay, okay, I can move across this and not worry about getting spotted because they're they're preoccupied. Stuff like that is just it's so good in Hitman. Um, like the 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 stealth mechanics are just incredibly well thought out. And even though there's there's still a little bit of jank in terms of the enemy AI, it's at least janky in fun ways that let you kind of manipulate it and kind of have fun with it like there was a part where i threw a a wrench at a guy's head knocked him out and the guy next to him was like oh oh he like <laughs> brings him but he brings him up and i throw a lead pipe at his face at the, the guy's face he goes down again he's like oh god 
Get back up. And then I throw a, a soda can at his head. And he knocks down again. And he's like, something's going on here. <laughs> and then he walks over and he slips on a banana peel that I put in his way. <laughs> Wait, seriously? So there's just, banana peels? There's banana peels. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Hell Next, yeah. There are rakes. They can set in the, the path of someone and they when they step on it, it like like a cartoon, it hits them in the head and they not. I don't know they if you've ever out. done that, but that's not funny. It hurts. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I I think for me, like the the biggest question is someone who's like seen and sort of understood the praise for the first two games, at least like to me, it's always been the like the stealth puzzle box. But also a thing that I'm, I'm sort of gleaming as I hear more, especially about three is there's a lot of comedy to it. it yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, based on your gameplay, but like the, the tools they give you can be very well, funny. <laughs> what I'll say is actually, I think the comedy in Hitman peaked in Hitman 2. Hitman 2 has the craziest things that you can do to people. You can literally turn a man into cocaine. You can, <laughs> you can throw... You can throw people into alligator pits. You can, you know, there's there's a person driving around a track and a person that you have to, that you can kill by pushing them onto the track, having the person in the car run them over, crash, and then kill both of them in one go. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's just absolutely insane. So Hitman 3, I think, tones it down a little on the, the comedy aspect um, and focuses more on just interesting levels that haven't really been done before. Um, one of the things that I don't know if you're you're watching the the B-roll right now, but that's a murder mystery level where you're you essentially infiltrate this mansion and you take the identity of a, a private investigator that was hired by the family to investigate a murder. And so while you're trying to you know get your own hit you're also solving a uh you know straight up knives out style murder mystery and it's just really interesting the way that they they toy with your expectation in terms of the um the mission structure in this game yeah i'm i'm having a ton of fun with this game and i think it's like it's it's really incredible because it's it's so like the presentation is amazing they do that sort of like projected text thing the graphic design around everything is beautiful the whole game is just like like everyone is all dressed up nice and sexy and stuff like that. But then you do some really dumb, goofy stuff and it's just genuinely hilarious. And I think a lot of the comedy is basically up to you as the player. Like I had a lot of sort of like mishaps that just made me just like cackle as I'm running away from like the scene of a crime or like, like the, the first level in this game is basically like a huge party scene and you have to, you have to kill two people at this party, but they're surrounded by like dozens of people. So you're like, what what do I do? Like, do I do I poison this guy? Do I distract him? Do I wait till he goes to use the bathroom? You can go into like into bathrooms and just basically like turn on the toilets and the water and just like make a huge mess and then leave. All these guys come in and they're like, oh, what's going on in here? And like that's your chance <laughs> to sneak around, bonk a guy in the head and like steal his clothes and then like be like, oh, sir, would you like this food? And then kill him. <laughs> like, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so stupid and so much fun, but it's also so incredibly smart. And like, that's that perfect balance in video games that like like you said mitchell like i i feel like we're always kind of looking for it you know like i i was thinking a lot about metal gear solid 5 and how it evoked a lot of those moments of like mixing mixing action with stealth with comedy in in ways mm. that i think that like some were intentional some weren't intentional um and i think like i i really like it's just i really like stealth games but i don't ever really like make a big thing about it like i'm never like oh i can't wait to buy a new stealth game like but when it's there in front of me i'm like oh yeah that's right i love this feeling 
like it's not really a genre like i'm a big i call myself a fanboy of or anything but when i'm in the in the midst of playing a game like this i'm having the time of my life and it's just so much fun and i just really love how this game gives you so many opportunities to try different scenarios uh at your own pace play them however you want like i i i beat i beat a mission super sloppily it worked and I got out of there, but like I felt bad about it. I was like, I made a mess back there. <laughs> I was like, I should do that again. And like, get, like I, I don't know what kind of deaths these guys deserve, but that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Everybody the magic of Hitman, me. though. Yeah, that, that's the magic of Hitman, though, because it, it is a game that begs to be replayed. You can go through this game within about like six hours, mm-hmm. but you know, you'd be missing eighty percent of what the game offers because every every mission has like at least three different big like set piece style assassination stories that you can do um like three different ways to to, like canonically get the target away from a crowd so that you can murder them um and then there's all other there's like a bunch of other challenges that they offer there's specific feats that you can do um so there's just there's so much content and to go back to the melgar solid thing one of the things I love about Metal Gear Solid is how you can do a bunch of stuff in Metal Gear Solid that you wouldn't expect the developers to really put in there. Um, and in Hitman, one of the things that I love is that if you are in disguise and you are just kind of creeping around and you're hiding like in cover and someone sees you, they'll just be like, what, what, what are you doing? Why, why are you crouching next to a box? <laughs> and if you get if you get right up in their face, they'll like be like, uh, "Excuse me, you are violating my personal space right now," or like, uh, "You have really bad breath." <laughs> so it's like a bunch of really fun little details that you just wouldn't expect a developer to really put in there. I walked yeah. through like a crowded scene with like a gun in my hand, and a bunch of people were like. Can you put that away, please? And I was like dressed as a guard. So I put it away and I took out an apple. And everyone was like, oh, <laughs> like, that's, that's actually crazier than just having a gun. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> uh, Max, um, what were you? I was going to say, like, it's I'm sort of kicking myself for not jumping on this game or the, the series sooner. Like, I think uh, I think Brian's the same way, but I definitely dabbled with the first two a little bit. Like I jumped mm-hmm. in and the thing that makes Hitman so good is obviously like the infinite ways you could replay a mission or like the incredible you know number of different ways you can accomplish the same objective i think that's what scared me off originally because you know you can finish it and you can get the sort of oh you did your job but you sucked at it and then it's like they pop up with a bunch of other possible objectives where it's like oh you didn't you know you didn't you know you didn't kill them with a banana peel or whatever like it's like you Mm -hmm. know it's just there's that it, it doesn't even tell you like straight up the thing you need to do it's like the thing you need to cause to happen which mm-hmm. fascinates me, but I'm just, I'm dying to jump in. It's also um, the fact that it's, it's now a next gen game is exciting. And uh, the fact they, they managed to, you know, throw some, some shiny PS five upgrades at the, the previous two games, maybe kind of, uh, maybe I'm not kicking myself for waiting this long to play it because this is a, this is a good looking game to begin with. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. I was just going to yeah. say, if you, if you own one and two, you can import the levels into three and essentially play them in the, the spruced up engine. Uh, which is a nice benefit for sure. Yeah, I think I have Hitman one from like a PlayStation Plus free game thing from like six oh, months right. ago, and I've I've never touched it, but I'm probably gonna play it with Hitman three because I might as well just play it in this new engine. So it is a nice opportunity. Uh, I do want to point out uh, from our review, which you uh, may have just seen the B roll of on uh, the video version of the show if you're watching, but this was written by Luke Riley. Uh, he gave the game a nine overall, but he did mention on the PS5 at least 
a couple of hurdles for getting because there is a PSVR. You can play the whole game in PSVR. Uh, he did say because there isn't native support for PSVR and PS5, he had to download and install the PS4 version of Hitman 3 alongside the PS5 version, um, which is, he said, you know, more of a, a thing on Sony side than IO, the, the devs. Um, but uh, you do get a free copy of the PS4 version if you get the PS5 version, so you're not like having to double dip, but it is a little bit of a hiccup. VR is worth the dabble. If you own a PSVR, though, really only to experience its general slapstick goofiness firsthand, you have to play with the DualShock 4 because the move controllers just don't have enough buttons, and while can generally handle melee attacks, the shooting experience is really quite cumbersome, imprecise, and irritating as a con- consequence. The end result is a system that winds up ruined halfway between full motion controls and traditional controls, uh, which I found regularly brain-bending and occasionally stomach-churning. Um, so the, the, they mentioned getting to play, because you're, you're able to play all three of the Hitmen levels in VR, which is very great, but uh, Luke summed it up by saying it's janky, primitive, and really not the best way to play, which is a little unfortunate. Obviously, none of us here mitchell i don't think you've gotten to play it in vr either have you no i wish i wish i did but the the thing that really makes me confused is is the fact that you can't play with the move controllers because i remember first seeing the the hitman vr you know i I think that was uh, sorry i think that was more his uh like saying it just doesn't work that way Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm going to double check. But yeah, the, the way I'm reading it is that it doesn't feel good with the move controllers, but I will double check that as we talk. Uh, OK, yeah, I was just going to say, like the the thing that sold me on Hitman VR was like the the little clip of tapping a guy on the shoulder, having him turn around, then punching him in the face. I'm like that just with a controller in your hand, like it just feels weird. <laughs> I feel like you would need to have the the move controller to really, you know, sell that in VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it says, according to um, IO last year when they were talking about the VR modes for the first time, they said it doesn't support PS Move controllers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, interesting, which is a little bit of a bummer. Um, but I will say for the main game, if if you play this game and you get 90 seconds into the intro and you're not entirely convinced that this is the perfect studio for a James Bond, I don't know what to tell you. Like the fact that these guys <laughs> are making James Bond is so perfect it is so match made in heaven i cannot wait to see what they do with that series yeah it feels like even as someone who doesn't really hasn't had experience with these games but wants to jump in they just feel like such an ideal candidate for that i'm so excited to see you know whether it's in this hitman aesthetic i feel like they'll do something a little bit more different uh in in structure but they just seem so perfectly suited for it but um i i did sort of just want to ask as someone you know uh max mentioning to as someone who feels like they've maybe missed the boat having only dabbled uh and as someone who hasn't played them at all does it feel like a fine to just jump into three or should i start with those older levels from hitman one and two (laughs) um i mean here's the thing hit like story in hitman is not one of the selling points but it is the conclusion of a trilogy. And so if you are hoping that you'd be able to jump in and understand what's been going on, I think you, you really miss out on that context. If you just jump into Hitman three. Um, so I would definitely recommend playing at least the first one. You probably should play both of them. Cause I think Hitman two is personally my favorite one and is the best one, but uh it's a, it's a little tough recommendation to just jump right into Hitman 3 uh, as your first go. Um, but well, I said, you can usually find the the first game at the very least pretty cheap. Um, and I can't recommend playing those games enough. 
yeah, it, it seems like a, a really fun, unique way to kick off the year. And as I, I think Brian was saying, I don't often think of like, oh, yeah, I love stealth games. But when the stealth game is really fun, it just hits in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like there's a lot to love about this one. So I'm very excited to jump in. Well, thank you to Mitchell for joining us to talk about Hitman. Definitely excited to jump in myself. Uh, of course, though, before we get to some other games that we've been playing, I did want to talk about um, PlayStation wise. It's definitely been quiet, you know, for the last couple of weeks. We've talked about so many exciting things to come from PlayStation 2021 and they really haven't been saying much, but uh, we thankfully were able to get news from the best of all sources, as always, LinkedIn. Um, a thing that we've we've talked about on the show before is that, uh, you know, obviously the, the Sony first party of stables is so much of the draw of why people come to PlayStation consoles in the first place. And, uh, you know, they acquired Insomniac uh, in early 2020. I think it was February of 2020. Uh, But otherwise, Sony hasn't really been opening new studios or increasing its volume of studios in the way that we've seen Microsoft acquiring a bunch of studios. Uh, But one thing that's sort of been a, like, not so secret, but secret thing is that PlayStation has had a new team working together in San Diego. This is different from the San Diego studio that does MLB The Show. Uh, But they've been working together in some form for at least, I think, a a year or two at this point. Um, Longstanding rumors have uh, had people believing they're working on Uncharted. There's been no official confirmation of that in any way, but that's been sort of a longstanding rumor. But we sort of finally got our first official confirmation that this new studio, which still hasn't been like announced or their first project revealed, that they were very much built and designed to uh, continue on with existing PlayStation franchises, aka make sequels of the games we all love. So uh, recently, people spotted on Michael Mumbauer's uh, LinkedIn profile, uh, he was formally listed as the studio's former head uh, up until November 2020. And in his profile, he wrote, quote, his latest achievements uh, is having built a brand new all-star AAA action-adventure development team for PlayStation based in San Diego and utilizing proprietary engine technology. This team was assembled to expand upon existing franchises and craft all new stories for the next generation of gamers. Um, one, I sort of want to start on the topic of it's exciting to me that uh, I think one of the, the best things that we've seen from PlayStation, especially in the last generation or so, is that Sony isn't afraid to let its studios jump from one franchise to the next, whether it's, you know, uh, e- even though they dipped back in with Lost Legacy, like Naughty Dog going to The Last of Us uh, after Uncharted or Sucker Punch going to Ghost of Tsushima or Gorilla going to Horizon after Killzone. Like Sony has let those studios move on, but there are also a lot of great franchises that they probably could make a bit of money from. Um, so starting off with this, Max, I just was sort of curious about you, what, your thoughts on like a studio built specifically to make sure they're continuing like the legacy of these franchises. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a new Motor Storm game. I think it's of course. pretty, pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. We already got Pacific Rift. So what about Atlantic Rift? Mediterranean Rift could be good. Baltic, <laughs> the Baltic? God just, damn. Like, yeah, just a, you know, just a nice... <laughs> Um, oh, man. No, this is, this is weird to think about because... <laughs> No, I, I don't know. Like it's, um, I, it's as exciting as it is to hear that there's like new stuff. I, I always have like a little bit of reservation about hearing a new studio is handling an IP that's been established by other studios. Like the first thing that comes to mind there is the, um, uh, what is it, Batman: Arkham Origins, the one that, the one that isn't Sucker Punch, you know, or no, Game uh, Rocksteady, <laughs> yeah, um, WB yeah. Games Montreal worked on, which like a lot yeah. of people have kind of come around, turned around on, but there's still that sort of feeling of like, oh, this you know, especially when we're looking at, you know, beloved sort of, you know, first party IPs that people like really come to associate 
you know, respective properties with their with their own individual studios. Like when we're talking about, you know, Uncharted, nobody brings up Golden Abyss, you know, like that was that was Bend making an Uncharted game for Vita, which was it was fine, but it wasn't, you know, the game that people come to expect from from Naughty Dog. Uh, so I guess I'm sort of I'm very curious to see what they do here. I kind of hope that they're dusting off some really old franchise that we haven't seen in a while and completely, you know, reinventing it from the ground up. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Pacific Pacific Rift, Motorstorm. People people would have remembered Golden Abyss more fondly if it wasn't a Vita game, which is a catch-22 because I think it got a lot of attention because it was a Vita game because it was sort of like a miracle that they even got it running there. Like, technically, that's one of the most impressive games ever made um, in the sort of pantheon of uncharted games it's definitely like better than the first one but i don't think it's better than two or three or 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 i don't i'm I'm kind of mixed on four um but an important thing about this quote is tell new stories like it's I, i think we're focusing a lot on them returning to the sort of well on an established franchise but i think the studio new stuff um, I look at stuff like uh, I believe who is it? Is it Saber that's working on the the Witcher Three next gen port? Uh, I th- they, worked they worked on the Switch port. I think they- yeah. They were- There's also like stuff that's like Blue Point, which you know takes a, a, an entire skeleton of a game and, and makes something new with it. I really think this is Uncharted, um, and I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a remake, um, a brand new game. Um, it seems to me like Sony is going to slowly um, creep into movie territory with all of their video games. And I think that they're don't they don't want to be caught with their pants down having like a, a hit film in Uncharted. I don't necessarily know or think that that movie is going to be a hit, a hit film, but just in case <laughs> without a game corresponding with that. Right. Like, I mean, I think that they'd be really remiss to ship that and have that miss right there. Like you need something to push people to your PS5 and PS4 and go, hey, if you like this movie. There's, you know, four Uncharted games you can play plus or five Uncharted games you can play or six, seven, however many we want by then. Um, But I do think that that's that's something that they can handle. And honestly, like I'm I'm interested in an Uncharted game that isn't by Naughty Dog, because I feel like I, you know, I've seen everything that they can do uh, with that franchise. And that's reductive because I know that they can do more. And The Last of Us 2 was amazing. And that's coming from someone who always said we don't need the last of us two, but I'm, I'm interested to see what somebody else could do with the series. I think that like spoilers uh, four left it in a way that, you know, there could be some torch passing. There could also be like a Sully <laughs> prequel <laughs> where he's really young and he, you know, he's well, got and a funny uh, mustache. of course there's also the possibility for something like a lost legacy too. I mean, like mm-hmm. uh, I, the, the further I get away from lost legacy, the more it like, I look back on it so fondly. And I think it both, is I, I get sort of what you're saying, Brian, about like you feel like you've seen all that they can do because I think to a certain extent, Lost Legacy is very much like a greatest hits collection of the best parts of the Uncharted series, yeah. and so there's there's not a ton that's new there, but everything there just works so damn well, and I think they use those char- the the those two characters in new and really exciting ways and flesh them out. That I would love a a sequel that sort of focuses more on Nadine and has Chloe in the supporting role, sort of as like a continuation sort of thing, but like. They, they they do you're right have a lot of potential around that world and i do agree that it will be something within it and it probably wouldn't be bad to capitalize even if it's not nathan drake to be like that movie's coming out we know sony loves synergy right now like the corporate brand above playstation sony loves synergy so why not also have a new uncharted even if it's in the works even if it's not coming yeah. out for another year at least to be able to say it's there 
what if it's Uncharted the movie, the game? Like, what if they do a new Uncharted that has similar mechanics, but you've got, you know, Tom Holland and Marky Mark in there? Like that, that immediately makes me just sort of like, I don't know how I feel about that. But it also isn't that completely bonkers. Like, I, I don't know. It what seems likely, yeah. but it's also the one I'm least interested in, I would guess. But I like I, I get where you're coming from in terms of that would make a lot of sense because we do in terms of young Nathan Drake, we only have those flashback scenes. So there's no reason they can't do a young Nathan Drake game. But yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, keep in mind that like the Spider-Man game, both Spider-Man games launched basically in parallel universes to what was going on in the MCU, um, but still found a massive audience. So I think that like, I think if they're close enough, it'll make sense. Um, But Max, I think that could be interesting because we have seen like lots of flashback stuff with Nathan Drake. I just feel like we've explored everything with his character, but obviously the people making this movie don't think that. So, (laughs) I mean, it would be, it would really interesting to see them commit entirely to an Uncharted that is, not flashback scenes, but here's just an here's a prequel. Like here's an older, like here's the adventure of uh, adventures of young Nathan Drake. Period. Not as cutaways in Uncharted three or four, but like here's just that's the game. You know, that's mm-hmm. it's you know young young Sully, young young Nate running around causing trouble, and you know it's not just a callback, which would I don't know be interesting. Yeah, they I, I retcon a sister in there if they want. Like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, thinking back to like, we, you know, we got Sony's Sony had some big words about like, you know, wanting to really establish, you know, movies and TV shows and all that, which is interesting to see. We still haven't really seen much of it. Like I've Uncharted could go either way. I feel like we've been hearing about that movie for more than my entire career, which is exhausting. But it's eventually it might come out. I guess they're <laughs> filming it. Uh, there was, of course, also the Ratchet and Clank movie that we all forgot about, which completely coincided with the, the game that we all loved and adored. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it didn't live up and compare. It was it, that was a really weird, interesting experiment because that game was so great, and then that movie came out, and I think was disappointing in a lot of ways. Where it was like, well, I can just go play the much better game right now. Um, and so I like I wouldn't be surprised if there is connections to the movie, but something that is somewhat removed because I, I I think those two projects like in parallel just made the movie look so much worse by a factor of how good the game was too. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it it is a really interesting space for me. One of the more interesting prospects too, is the, the mention of uh, utilizing proprietary engine technology. And I don't know if that means a brand new engine or, you know, collaborating with another studio on their engine. I I would assume maybe like some mix of the two, but um, it's, exciting to see um at least from what we've seen there are a lot of veterans of other sony studios here at this studio from uh, you know previous job listings like it seems like a pretty stacked team of developers um and so i i do wonder what that voice is though if they are you know jumping onto a series that already exists from something that is so iconic to naughty dog right now um, right it, it does put us in an interesting place i i, I think for me the the other comparisons to make from PlayStation's first party studios would be um, Sanzaru games took over Sly Cooper for one after the original trilogy. They did like Sly Cooper uh, Thieves in Time, which was like the fourth entry that le- left off on a big cliffhanger. And then there was never another Sly Cooper, which I would have liked to see. Uh, and then um, forgive me, but the uh, Sumo Digital, the devs from uh, Sackboy and Little Big Planet 3, of course, took over for Media Molecule from LBP 1 and 2. Uh, so there is precedent, but um, were, are there any other, you know, I think Uncharted is the main culprit. We're all assuming this is. Are there any other PlayStation franchises you would like to see a studio tackle in that capacity? Knack, obviously. Of course. It's, it's been a couple of years since we've had a, a Knack. 
I mean, I've always wanted to see a giant <laughs> vein bulging <laughs> in Mark Cerny's That's as forehead. far as we can get. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be pretty hilarious if they like if they you know a third party like smaller studio was like we did Knack we did Knack three and it winds up just being this ridiculous hit and everyone loves it and it wins Game of the Year and just. And then Cerny's like, "What did I do all that?" He work just for? like quietly folds his hands and just goes. All right, then. <laughs> Mark Cerny joins Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I did want to pose some other options, I guess, and hear from you guys as well if there were any other potentials. And one here, unfortunately, he's no longer with us uh, on this episode. He's still alive, don't worry. But uh, Mitchell, of course, just left. Uh, and he did mention, I'm curious what y- you both would think. Uh, he suggested as one that the studio could tackle PlayStation All-Stars. Would you want to see a sequel? <laughs> Make it a battle royale. Yeah. Seriously, they're loaning out all those. You know, I mean, the God of War is in, you know, Kratos is in Fortnite. You know, make your own. I make him dance to Dua Lipa. It's very uncomfortable, but I can't. Stop <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think PlayStation All-Stars, you know, obviously gets a, a little bit of a bad rap because I think it was like not the best time for that game to come out and being such a naked clone to a certain extent of Smash Bros. But there, there is the nugget of a good idea there, and I feel like it could succeed if they tweaked some things, made some changes, figured out what the roster is like, because that was a very strange lineup of fighters. Um, but there, there is potential, at least yeah, I would love to see it. Um, I, I, was, that. I was curious what you guys would think about if someone took on a new Infamous, or do you feel like that franchise should kind of stay put to bed? Because obviously Second Son and First Light were new protagonists. It wasn't uh, Cole McGrath anymore. I, I feel like it's pretty easy to just be like, here's another guy with superpowers or a girl with superpowers or just another person. Yep. Uh, go. It feels like there's potential there, but what do you both think? That one, That's a series that's totally set up for a, a sequel that, you know, can only loosely connect it to the, to the previous ones. I believe like the second one, it didn't really have more than like Easter eggs to the first one, right? Like it's, that's, that's all you really need to do. You go to a whole new city, have a whole new protagonist, whole new powers. I mean, I really like those games. Um, they're super fun, especially the second one. I had a blast with that game. Um, I'm, I'm all for just like big, crazy over the top open world games. Like, I feel like we get a, we get a lot of open world games, but a lot of them are very sort of like street level grounded. And I like games like this, where you can just like run up the side of a building and jump into the sky and, you know, dive bomb and kick somebody obviously like Spider-Man's doing that, right? Like Spider-Man kind of like grabbed that and said, here's the open world world superhero game you've always wanted. But I think there's room for more, um, like, you know, we have superhero movies are tremendously popular at least were back when we had movies and you know superhero shows will continue to carry that torch for a while we need more games and i don't think they all have to be licensed i think that something like infamous has has totally has a has has a shot to come back and i think there's room on our ps5s for it no totally i i just feel like looking at sort of how much the not only the open world genre has changed but also superhero media has changed since infamous was first introduced and the fact that you know, there's nothing in the title that like it is. It's infamous. It could as you know what it is, but also it could be anything like as long mm-hmm. as it's vaguely super powered, it's pretty much on brand like the Hulk and you can smash buildings. I'd be like, all right, sure. Why not? You know, let's go nuts. Um, I just that's definitely one I'd, I'd be interested to see what, you know, what a new studio does to it just because um, because Sucker Punch has had so much sort of some they've done their they've done their with it, you know, and obviously they want to they probably want to focus on Tsushima. But the the format of infamous as a open world superhero game is just that's so wide open that it could be you know it could yield some really cool pop- this is a good one too because i think i feel like this has been this one's been long enough right like we just had uncharted 4 
just a few years ago in, during the, the, the PS4 generation. We haven't had an Infamous since the launch of the PS4. Like we mentioned Batman before. It was, I felt like we were getting one of those games every few years. And so when like that, you know, that that one went off the rails a little bit, uh, I feel like <laughs> we noticed. But this is this has been so it's been so long that I don't think anybody would really be like. And there's also only two of these games. So I, there's less of like a this is the format. This is the recipe. This is what it has to be. Um, and so I think there's a little more wiggle room into in, in making something interesting with this series. Yeah, we uh, for reference, I, I pulled it up because we have a really great feature on the site that basically is like how long it's been since you, each of the big Sony uh, franchises have been around in Infamous. It's been uh, six years since Second Son and First Light came out in 2014. Um, but yeah, I, I totally feel like uh, to speaking to both of what you were saying, it's so malleable of a franchise at this point because it isn't like Cole McGrath is not the face. Delson is not the face. Um uh, they can easily make a new hero in a new place. Uh, but it, it, it does raise that interesting question of like, what are big open world superhero games in a post Spider-Man world where that one came and was so big and captivated so many people and is sort of like the standard bearer. Cause we have not seen like for, as you know, Brian, you were mentioning like as popular as comic book heroes are in movies and TV, I think like I did the math. I think we're going to have a Marvel show or movie for every week for at least half of the year, like every week for, you know, six months of the year, we'll have a Marvel product in some way, but games don't have that. Like, abundance yet there is not a ton of marvel and dc games and obviously games by their nature can take longer time uh projects can get canceled more easily but it it has always struck me as interesting that we don't see as big of a proliferation of superhero games on consoles and pc the way we see yeah. superhero movies and al almost all of those shows outside of like moon knight are using characters that have been established in like a dozen films already right that there's already like an audience recognition there whereas i don't know like it's it's weird right i don't know how quickly audiences would gravitate to a brand new superhero in a fairly established video game franchise when there's like a plethora of really well-known ones out there um like it feels it feels almost strange like I, I feel like if sony was to make another superhero game i don't know if they'd go with infamous now that superhero movies are so big when they could be like oh make venom make you know What's that? Who's the the Jared Leto vampire? <laughs> Morbius. Morbius. Yeah, yeah. This, I mean, there's like there's a lot of characters that they could they could reach across the aisle from with Marvel um, through their partnership with everything they have with Spider Man. Um, so it'd be interesting, right? Like, I don't know if audiences would be like, "Hey, you guys like superheroes? You like superhero movies? Well, check out Infamous Three, starring <laughs> you know some random guy in Boston or whatever." Yeah, we're at an interesting point where I think people are so glommed on to those the recognizable superhero series because they have become essentially the pillars of blockbuster entertainment uh, for better and worse. Like there, there's a lot of give and take there. So again, it would, like the, if you look at the boys, like that's yeah. most people didn't know that that what was the, you know that was based on a graphic novel or anything, and they were just like, I like superheroes, I watch the show, and it's a great show. So who knows? Yeah. Um, I do want to throw a couple other suggestions out. Of course, Max mentioned uh, MotorStorm. It's been nine years uh, since MotorStorm Apocalypse in May 2011, though there was an RC car spinoff the following year for PS3 oh, and God. Vita. Hey, um, um, can I just say that the MotorStorm Apocalypse camera mode or photo mode was phenomenal? And I think that was maybe the I'm, tr I'm trying to think like was that that might have been one of the first like first party Sony games that had that. Yeah, that's got to be in. one of the earliest. 
you could like i mean you would explode your car and then you'd zoom out and you just have this cool picture like a picture of a car exploding. <laughs> and they said in the thing they said proprietary engines you know how many proprietary engines are in those souped up dump trucks a lot it's at great. least two i really um, would love a new motor storm game it would be really fun i do i i do think there is but part of me is, you know, like looking at this, the the LinkedIn profile says AAA action adventure. That is not something that the Sony first party lineup is lacking in. So I, like part of me is a little disheartened that it wasn't like we're working on, you know, a AAA first person shooter. Uh, maybe it is a first person shooter, but like that that wasn't mentioned specifically. Like I would like to see the studio portfolio branch out a little bit, I guess. Um, but in terms of other past franchises, I just wanted to throw a couple more at you guys to see what you would think. Uh, it's been fifteen over fifteen years since Jack and Daxter. Do you think Jack and Daxter should come back? Yeah, I, theoretically. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's one mean, of those. It's yeah. in that weird in between where because I think like Naughty Dog, people obviously know because Crash is still around to a certain extent. I think people liked Jack and Daxter quite a bit, but it doesn't have that like cultural recognition i think that's something like crash or uncharted and last of us have for naughty dog so it's it's in this weird in-between space they it would definitely need like a the characters would need a visual overhaul for starters like those guys are decidedly mid 2000s you know like that's 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 very early 2000 art direction and fashion there um yeah but never say never right i mean i think i think there's there's always an opportunity to take a a franchise like that and reboot it, revitalize it and modernize it for new audiences and make it look awesome. I mean, like Ratchet and Clank, if you had told me when that franchise was first kicking around that that would be like one of my most anticipated things on PlayStation 5, I mean, I'd have a lot of questions for you, especially about <laughs> like when I get to play PlayStation 5. But also like that's pretty surprising, right? Like that 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 game demoed incredibly well. I feel like you could make a Jack and Dexter game that looks that good and people would be paying attention immediately. Yeah, I think um especially at launch uh Sackboy and Astros Playroom show there is plenty of room for like more family friendly or all ages fair within the third the first party lineup. Um two others I briefly want to mention uh Socom that was a franchise that seemed like really integral to Sony's persona, you know, back in the day on like PS1, PS2. I don't I don't know about where it would fit in this day and age. I know there is still like a lot of there is a really dedicated still like SOCOM fan base that calls for its return. Like, you know, there are for a lot of franchises, but that I, I don't see that fitting within the scope of probably what the studio is going after. I don't know if either of you have much experience with SOCOM, but. I feel like like the the Rainbow Six and Call of Duty sort of like came in and and cleared the table of 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 all of that, right? Like I I don't know if there's room for that. I feel like at this point it'd be sort of like launching like another battle royal game and trying to yeah. make it make make your way there, which I guess people still try, right? It still mm -hmm. happens. So no, I mean specifically with like a straight like a straight laced military shooter, I think that you know you again you do have so many other like studios and publishers that, that put those out on a consistent basis and they've got it, you know, they've got it kind of, kind of down to a science. Like I was kind of um, I, like, there's that back for blood game, which I, I'm sure is really exciting for people who are like hardcore left for dead fans. But I'm, I'm wondering how that's going to be received when, you know, like left for dead was great when it came out, that was like, you know, 10, 12 years ago or whatever. And, you know, I think if, if you have a studio that has to reinvent from the ground up, this like spiritual successor, Whereas another company like, I don't know, like Call of Duty puts out a zombies mode like every year. 
like they have a chance to fine tune that and also kind of steer the direction that this genre is going like with SOCOM, like what would be the advantage of a studio spinning up from the ground up a brand new proprietary multiplayer shooter? Like, it just seems like a total uphill battle, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, aside from that, it would be almost by definition, it would be, uh, you know, probably M rated, which, you know, has how many people can pick it up. And then also it's, I don't know, military stuff is, it's kind of starts veering into political directions. And I don't know how many people, you know, even want to, you know, deal with that when you could just have like, I don't know, sack boy is back or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And he's political this time. (laughs) Um, Last but not least, I think the only other one that immediately came to mind for me is, uh, of course, Ape Escape. That's where you, you know, know, I thought you were going to say, I, yes. I thought, I thought you were gonna say resistance, kills them. <laughs> oh, no, there were plenty of others. I no, I, I, I do want to mention the, the, those franchises as well. But no, I did want to bring up Ape Escape. <laughs> I mean, like, man, I think Ape Escape was the first PlayStation game I ever played. I think I have like a distinct memory of going over to my neighbor's house and playing Ape Escape and being like, this is, the, this is incredible. That's how, that's how they debuted the Dual Shock. I, I want, yeah. So that, that's what's awesome about the Dual Sense. I think that, that that's a match made in but also i want hyper hyper realistic yes for yes right? i want to chop chop the monkey zoo escape the game i like <laughs> yeah brian and i've talked about this extensively on numerous podcasts but mm-hmm. in real life there was an actual ape escape that took place in japan and a, was it a gorilla a chimpanzee it, i think he started the day as a chimpanzee but he looked like a gorilla by the end of the day okay he, he anyway, this, this, this furry character named cha-cha escaped from the zoo and then a bunch of people like i guess japan has like their special animal control officers who all sort of look like like the beastie boys intergalactic video they like went after him with like long sticks and he like they'd like get him down from trees and i was like just give me like give me a game that is ape escape but it like has the graphical fidelity of like the last of us but you're just chasing down monkeys that have science experiments that they're trying to kill you with while we're on the subject it's also worth pointing out that japan also has these weird sort of like simulation days where they get one of their employees to dress up as like basically like a mascot version of a zoo animal and um he pretends or she pretends to escape and then the other zookeepers have to try to catch them and that's like a a good practice for when real life cha-cha situations happen that's their if, version i don't know if you're lying or not it I could be no, yeah, no, that, that, you didn't know that that's that's I, real you of all people should know that there's no that's way real? You don't know that. yeah that's real they have really? like they use mascots to replicate animal zoo animal escapes what yeah man no yes why would i make that that's the, that's the weirdest version of like a an elementary school fire drill i've ever heard of i'm, I'm gonna send it to you guys now this is that's amazing but yeah um, but ape escape is a good answer yeah <laughs> ape escape would be great yeah uh but no i i did want to mention those shooter franchises too brian um i think for me kill zone is less likely of a candidate especially with I don't know, uh, Gorilla sort of going all in on Horizon right now. The uh, the sort of sunsetting of the Killzone website uh, sort of implying that they're not as focused on that franchise right now. I don't the same sort of thing of like versus spinning up a new franchise. I don't know how much there's like a, a real call for a new Killzone. Um, but I, I guess you could maybe make the same argument for Resistance where that was also a really beloved franchise by a lot of people, but I don't know how much fervor there is for new resistance these days versus creating a new franchise. Um, I, I guess like weighing the benefits of staying with a name that people know versus trying to make something new. Um, or I guess finding the middle ground of those two is what the studio should do. Mm-hmm. But I, I, does either franchise really ring as something either of you are really interested in seeing a continuation of? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in, a modern take on resistance um, or, you know, a, a, a new 
a new effort in 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 telling those stories there i think that like art wise there's a lot that interests me that interests me more like that because that delves into like horror stuff a little bit right a lot of like very sort of like deranged and and extremely sci-fi creature design whereas like Killzone's futuristic and it's cool but it it's also which i i always gravitate more towards the the grittier stuff but i think there's room there right like i think i think with all these franchises, I think it's less about banking on the sort of namesake of people who remember them fondly. Uh, you need those people, but you also need to create a brand new thing for people who didn't grow up in that generation at all. 15 years in video games is an eternity. Like, it is forever. There are people, there are people making $100 million a year right now playing video games, and they started gaming eight years ago. You know, yeah. they're 15 and they're billionaires. <laughs> and I'm jealous. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, that's, a, that's a good point. What yeah. Brian said, like, it's that double edged sword of like, if you dust off the resistance, you know, brand and you're like, great news, everybody, we're making a new resistance game. And the people who remember it are like, yeah, well, you better not screw it up. Here's the things I want it to do. Don't change anything. And then at the same time, you're trying to appeal to an entirely new audience who doesn't really care one way or the other. Uh, I mean, I, to touch on what Brian said, like, I, and to go back to the sort of infamous, you know, namesake, like resistance can, you know, it has an established universe, but it could also just be like a game about humans fighting aliens. Like you are the resistance against an alien invasion. That's pretty straightforward. Whereas, you know, Killzone inherently has like a bunch of, you know, lore about Hellgast and stuff. And, you know. Yeah. Re- resistance does feel like a, um, a good blank slate. And it's funny. I think every time I see um, Insomniac tweet out a resistance uh, screenshot, because they do often like funny callbacks to resistance or ratchet and clank or whatnot. But every time I see one of those come up, there's at least like one or two blog posts or Reddit threads that are like, is resistance returning? So there obviously like is some sort of built in anticipation there, but I agree. I I think there is a, like, I think for me saying what's the value of going with the, the old name versus um, doing something new is just exactly what you're saying is like, you you then have the the built-in expectations of that dedicated fan base that is still there, but then also have to figure out how to make a new audience care about a thing that they have maybe heard the name before of and not played. Um, but it could be something completely new and exciting, especially with, I think, Insomniac probably a little busy on some other franchises they're working well, on. Two things real quick. One, I swear there was like a job listing LinkedIn thing on Gorilla a couple years ago talking about a multi, like staffing up for a multiplayer thing. Do you guys remember Let that? Me- I, I do. I'm going to try to pull it up because I know what you're talking about. So keep going. In, in the yeah. meantime, I will say I feel so much sympathy for any social media manager running any major company who evokes nostalgia in any way, because it's an easy play and it's good to dip into your company's history of games. But insane people like me see these things and then we immediately jump off the diving board like capcom tweeted out the uh, it was just a gif of like the resident evil 4 inventory management or like they find the gold egg that you get from killing the chickens sometimes and uh everybody lost their minds and they're like you're you're making resident evil 4 you're remaking it blah 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 um which by the way that inventory system's back for eight which i'm so happy about um yeah you can't just put up a picture of resistance without people thinking like new game yeah, it's it's pretty freaking. And I, I did find um, where this happened. I mean, just on that new game thing of like with the resistance, um, 
interestingly, I'm sure we'll only spin things out, uh, but Sony Santa Monica put up a job listing for a role, I think today or yesterday, that was like for an unannounced title. So immediately it's always like the, is it another God of War? Is it something new? Like uh, job job listings can create so much fervor when obviously they're just trying to get some good talent to come in. But yeah, in 2019, uh, there were job listings for a multiplayer project uh, for Guerrilla Games. Uh, and that it, it, headed by uh, a game director who had worked on Watch Dogs 2, Rainbow Six Siege, Splinter Cell, Killzone 2, uh, Far Cry Instinct, and more. Uh, the, according to their Twitter profile, they are still listed as a game director at Guerrilla. So that project seemingly is still there <laughs> in the works, but we'll see if it ends up being a Horizon multiplayer project, uh, a return of Killzone in some way. There's, there's a lot of possibility there for sure. Um, but yeah, it's. It's very exciting that there is another studio that's just sort of in the works there, but it is that sort of thing of like, man, I just kind of want some inkling of what it is. And it feels like we're getting incrementally closer to what it is. Um, But hopefully, you know, at some point this year, Sony's kind of a blank slate in terms of what they're going to do. If they're going to do state of plays, if they're going to do showcases again, if they're going to go to, you know, events, if they happen this year, it's completely up in the air for what Sony's going to do this year, which is both exciting and a little daunting because I feel like we're going to have a lot of last minute. Well, they announced something on a Thursday time for a second episode of Beyond This Week sort of week. <laughs> um, um, but it's, it's exciting. It's exciting in that so much is unknown right now at the start of this generation. Um, well, as, long, as long as we keep making the show, they'll keep announcing stuff immediately afterwards. So we just exactly keep the show and people get news. It's a good deal. You're welcome, all you PlayStation ponies out there. <laughs> um, uh, before... <laughs> Before we uh, move on to, uh, got a couple good emails that I want to read, but I did just want to briefly bring up um, Max. Obviously, since you and I have not been playing Hitman, have you been playing anything else recently uh, that you've been sort of stuck on? Or really? yeah, no, I'm completely just head over heels in love with Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I feel stupid for sleeping on it last year. It is a <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal RPG, and I implore everyone to go check it out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's. I admittedly like I play a lot of these games and I was sort of like, oh, I'm a little bit tired, but I'll, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then giving it its fair shot, it is like, it is so good. It is like, it has such wonderfully well written characters. It is consistently funny and heartfelt and really fun. And it's just, just a, just a good ass video game. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm like 54 hours in and I've got like one or two chapters left, but like I'm, wow. I'm excited to put it to bed, but I've also had a really, really good time playing it. So. And what have you been playing on? Because I know the, the PS5 version isn't out until March. I've been playing on PS4, which has I mean, or PS5, but with the PS4 version, which, um, again, that was one one hang up that I that kept me from from jumping on that. But um, it's it's like totally fine. It looks great. It's it's gorgeous. The load times are, you know, insignificant. So that's that's handy. I'm actually really curious what they wind up doing with the next gen version. First thing comes to mind is probably using the uh dual sense to make it feel like you're actually pulling toys out of a ufo catcher machine <laughs> i was gonna say there's so many like mini game or like side you know ideas in the yakuza games usually from when you talk about them that i feel like they could do a lot of wacky stuff with the dual sense if they wanted to definitely um brian have you been playing anything else besides hitman that you can talk about or uh just hitman resident Evil Four, and then another game that we can talk about next week that i'm playing that i Cool. I'm excited to talk about. Fair enough. Uh, I look forward to hearing about the next Uncharted 2. Uh, but no, I also want the next to... Uncharted 2. That's the Uncharted name 2 it. returns. Uncharted Recharted. 2 again. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I that's sorry that 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 makes me want to say really one dumb thing. It's not related to the show. I think 
I, I want goofy, dumb video game names because I think the one of the worst names I've seen recently is New Pokemon Snap. That's not a video game title. That's just an SEO phrase they put on a box and called the game. So please, yeah. Sony, please make your game names weird and funny. And you know what? It works because that they once they called something New Super Mario Brothers and everybody was like, when's the New Super Mario Brothers? They were like, now. Yep. Yeah, it's just there all the time. Uh, anyway, uh, I've I played over the the long weekend that we had here. Uh, I played the last Campfire, which is from Hello Games. Uh, it was sort of they, they've done one or two of these smaller games while they also work on No Man's Sky and continue updating that game. Um, but the, this came out, I think, at like August of last year. It was at a very awkward time where we were in the middle of these work from home events that we were putting on, and the fall rush was just beginning. And man. I wish I had played it back then so I could have talked about it and told everyone to play it for a game of the year consideration. It is a like six or seven hour game. Uh, it's been on sale recently on a lot of things. It's on like every platform. So if you can find it, I highly recommend it. It's not a super uh, long ask, but it's just a very wonderful um, Captain Toad-esque puzzle game uh, that is also a very sweet uh, meditation on like the purpose of living. And, and the purpose of, um, you know, helping other people versus being selfish. And like it, it addresses a lot of very mature themes in a very sweet, wholesome, almost storybook-esque way, but in a way that doesn't feel pandering or like talking down as if it's just for children. Like it, it works really well within the universe. It's just a very lovely, uh, heartwarming game that I, I'm so glad I blabbed about it on like end of year stuff, but it's... um. It's a lot of really fun uh, puzzle setups where essentially it's uh, figuring out how to get from the beginning of a level to the end by moving different platforms in certain ways or using the perspective of the level to to shift stuff around properly. Because um, you, you, you essentially get a power midway through the game that lets you move blocks or move ladders or things in the world that you couldn't move otherwise. So it lets you kind of see things from a different perspective. Uh, it's it's really wonderful and delightful, and I, I can't recommend it enough. What? Uh, so, um what made you play this like the, uh, this this week specifically? Simon Cardi from our UK team played it two weeks ago and was like, I also wish I had played this in 2020. And he oh, and I just awesome. tend, he, he tends to have very similar uh, like he and I tend to agree on uh, games quite often. So I was like, I should probably check this out. And he I think he described it as like Captain Toad ask. And I was like, all right, you sold me because I love Captain Toad. I think it's so great. And uh, yeah, it's it's delightful and really fun. And I I hope Hello Games continues to make little games like this because it's um it it really was a just great like it's a fantastic weekend game you can beat it in a weekend uh it, it's quite an emotional journey it goes some really fun places the character design's really cute i i definitely recommend it i think even when it's not on sale it's only 15 or 20 bucks so it's definitely worth it uh and for playstation fans who care uh it is a tremendously easy platinum trophy to get so if if you care about that you'll get a platinum trophy within six hours. But uh, like, regardless of where you play it, I think it's on Apple Arcade. Like it's everywhere. Uh, definitely, definitely check it out if you can. I, th I think it's a really lovely game. Um, but other than that, wrap up, I did have uh, a memory card story I want to read, but also uh, an email that came in from uh, Chris wrote into beyond at IGN.com. Like you can, if you have questions, comments, concerns, memory card stories, or anything else you want to just write in with. Uh, but Chris wrote in and the subject line was just quite simply Bloodborne. Hell yeah, I love those emails. The email began, well, you got me when nothing else did. <laughs> I, play, I played Demon Souls for 10-ish hours on the PS3 many years ago before falling off, figuratively but also literally off many ledges, and deciding it wasn't for me, so I've never tried any of the Dark Souls games or Bloodborne. 
I was worried about wasting my money for a game that would be too difficult and too obtuse to be enjoyable. Even hearing so many people gush about Bloodborne for years looking at you, Brian, wasn't enough to sway me, but there was always something in the back of my mind about it for some reason. Thanks to my wonderful wife, I got a PS5 for Christmas and seeing there was no better time to try it since it's on the PlayStation Plus collection, but still I hesitated. Then you posted your long talked about Let's Play from early last year. That did it. That sold me. I downloaded it this weekend and jumped in, intending to just mess around for a bit and decide if I wanted to really play it. I'm happy to say that I beat the Cleric Beast on my first try, and I got the next boss on my second try. I'm in. I'm hooked. You did this to me, and I can't wait to go back to that hellscape and mix it up with those gross and terrible beasts. So thanks for giving me the final push I needed to get into it. I hope you find a way to continue the Let's Play series, even if you're not back in the office anytime together soon. Also, I think you should do a reverse trophy test for it where the rest of the panel quizzes Jonathan about real or fake Bloodborne trophies. Um, I, I platinum that game and I don't know if I could name a lot of the trophies and like it's it's all super obtuse stuff. That's fair. Uh, but anyway, they said, uh, I always enjoy the show and I really enjoyed the Let's Play Beyond uh, from Chris. Beyond. So thank you, Chris. Uh, thank you for writing in. I'm glad we were able to convince you uh, about Bloodborne. And I just wanted to say thank you again to everyone who's uh, written in or tweeted at us or talked about uh, after they watched that Let's Play. It was such a fun, fun day that now even more so stands out so clearly in my head because I think it is the last like very social thing I did before we were all stuck in our homes. Like, it, it because of the iPhone change where they bring up like on this day photos now all the time, the the group photos of us together just keep popping up on my feed. And every time I see it, I'm just like, ah, yes, the before times. What a, what a glorious day that was. It's definitely the last time I ate pizza with uh, like people that weren't my wife and a baby, <laughs> which is nice. Um, I mean, no, the fact that's... that we would all just pass around a single box of pizza is. I know, right? Nowadays, oh, we'd, all, we'd have to be like in separate rooms. Um, the, uh, my, one of my favorite parts of this job is, is emails like that. Honestly, like it's like, it's telling people sometimes for hours a week for six years straight <laughs> that they should <laughs> play a game and it eventually resonating and connecting with people and then them having an experience that I so wish I could have for the first time. Um, yeah, that rules. I love that so much. Yeah. And uh, very quickly, uh, though that uh, wasn't written in as a memory card, I did want to just quickly read a memory card story we got in from uh, Jake from Bakersfield. Uh, Jake wrote in and said that they're an on and off listener to Beyond, but I've been working long hours during COVID and slowly gotten back into podcasts. Uh, I always love the memory card segment and wanted to add a quick, oddly comic one in. Uh, so Jake said, in 2006, I didn't have current consoles, so mostly missed that entire generation of games. Unless it was on PC, which I convinced my dad to invest in, keeping relatively current, even if I wasn't allowed to have very many games. My hobby was sustained by handheld and lots of hours of modded Morrowind, so I was completely baffled when I picked up a new copy of Tomb Raider Legend at Target, and it just didn't boot at all. I assumed the disc was just bad, and convinced my dad to drive me back to the store and exchange it for another copy. Short drive, no big deal. And then the same thing happened. Flash forward to copy four as my increasingly frustrated parent is trying to talk to a sales rep into giving me back my money, even though we've now opened like half the store's inventory of this Tomb Raider game. My dad vocally defended me and my ability to read PC specs and said this is not my fault, but that the computer should be able to run it. This is an argument he's determined to win in that moment, and he did. And when we got back in the car with my money back in hand, my dad sitting next to me still have mumbling under his breath. That was when I realized our PC didn't have a DVD drive. I never said anything, and I still haven't played that Tomb Raider. Oh, <laughs> not 
Not your usual memory card, I know, but my father's full throat <laughs> defense and an increasing frustration at my stupid mistake just makes me laugh. Uh, I, I love that one. I know it's not PlayStation related exactly, but I thought it was just too funny not to. Read. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jake, for writing in with the memory card story. If you want to share a memory card, you can by writing into beyond at IGN.com. Please write in with the subject line memory card. Uh, and we'll read those every week on the show. Uh, before we wrap up, just very quickly want to ask, uh, what's something, you know, other than maybe a game, uh, Brian, I'll start with you. What's something you've read, watched, listened to, whatever that you recently enjoyed? Um, let's see. I watched uh, Nomadland, which is oh, nice. uh, a movie that's coming out this year. It's going to win a ton of awards. I really liked it. And I just watched a movie last night that's super obscure, and Max, I'm recommending it to you specifically. It just came to Shudder. It's called um, The Wolf House. I Sounds good. It's um, <laughs> The Wolf House. It is in, it's a, about a woman who escapes a cult, um, but it is entirely done in stop motion. And it is, oh. su- it is super creepy. It is all like paper mache and hand handmade it's 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 like a nightmare little big planet um but a lot wetter and scarier i i think i think you'll dig it i this is this is definitely not the kind of thing i would recommend to like mass audiences but if any of the things i just said sound interesting to you i'm basically i don't get to see max in person anymore so i'm just telling max to watch the wolf house and you also um max anything that you want to recommend as well? yeah i mean while we're recommending wolf stuff uh i watched this a few weeks ago but wolf of snow hollow is a sort of indie horror comedy i guess um and it's i just I had a very good time with it it involves some wolf stuff go in cold go in it's as you can tell by the title it involves a wolf but it's you never know what's going to happen with wolves <laughs> <laughs> uh and to continue i guess the trend of wolves uh, I started watching Adventure Time, which stars a dog, which is sort of a brother of a wolf, if you will. I finally decided to watch that show. And if you uh, like Bloodborne, check out Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is hard to find unless they re-released it on Blu-ray. It's French. I don't know. <laughs> uh, hopefully that will leave you with plenty to do in the meantime before our next episode of Beyond, because that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode. Uh, thank you, Max and Brian, so much for joining me. Uh, for this week's episode and of course thank you to mitchell as well and thank you to our producer red for helping to keep this show running in between all of our crazy goofs um before we wrap up you can find us all on twitter i'm at jm dornbush brian is at agent bizzle and max is at max scoville and uh mitchell is at jurassic rabbit uh otherwise beyond is live every wednesday at 3 p.m pacific on beyond.ign.com youtube.com slash ign beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world i said podcast weird please forgive me it's been a while since i've said that word apparently uh otherwise uh thank you all so much for listening and watching we hope you're safe we hope you're well and as always beyond beyond in a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers this is reppin it's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging to mental health to courage and more On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values 
that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Repin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Repin wherever you get your podcasts.